Welcome to Drop Everything Podcast number 23. I'm your host, Dan Holzman. In this podcast, I'll be talking to English comedy juggling legend, Steve Rawlings. Hope you enjoy that chat. Before we get to that, let's thank our sponsors. Number one, the International Jugglers Association, the IJA. Information about this great group of jugglers can be found at juggle.org. I just received some exciting news from the IJA. They've asked me to emcee the welcome show at the, this year's festival in El Paso, Texas. So I haven't been to a festival for a few years. I'm looking forward to going, visiting with old friends, and hearing from the Drop Everything listeners. Please come up and let me know if you like the program and what I can do to make it better. So I'm always trying to make it better. All right. Oh, I also want to uh, thank our other sponsor, which is me, and my personal website, which is braindrizzles.com. That's the website I use for my comedy coaching, mentoring, directing. All the things I do outside of performing can be found at braindrizzles.com. Enough preamble. Let's get on to our chat with English comedy juggler Steve Rawlings. All the way from across the pond, from the UK, a big welcome to comedy juggler Steve Rawlings. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. And where are you now? Are you uh, currently at an engagement? Are you in England? Where, where are you uh, talking from? I'm actually doing a dinner theater show in Munich. Now, you actually do your show in several different languages, so you do your whole show in German. Yeah, Spanish, German, French, uh, some Japanese, and then I've got little bits of lots of languages, uh, should I need to dig them up. Just enough to say hi, hello, make people feel welcome and run away again before they want to chat. Is this something where you're just really good at languages or you can basically do show languages? Like you can do your show in those languages, but maybe aren't fluent otherwise? It's a mix. Um, my German's not too bad now. The French is okay. And the rest is mainly show with a little bit round the sides. But um, I got lucky. My mum's got a good ear for an accent. And uh, I found that I have too. So pretty much what I hear, I can pretty much send it back as it should sound. And how do you find the comedy is different, like in Germany? Do you find you have to change your style, or is it pretty much the same, just a different language? Uh, it's a little bit different in that the English comedians have a reputation for black humor in Germany, which they like, so you can get away with a little bit more. And wh what do you mean by black humor? Is it like dark humor? Type? Yeah, a little bit more Monty Python, a little bit, uh, a little bit darker, but not too dark, I think would be the answer. Mm. You can get away with slightly more as a comedian than you could if you were a German comedian, I think. Although it's probably changing now. And where is your favorite country to work? Do you find one audience to be the most receptive? Actually, yeah, I really like Germany. You do? <laughs> yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. English audiences tend to come with a, a make-me attitude. I'll decide if you're good, that kind of thing. Yeah, sort of sitting back with their arms crossed, looking at you like... Yeah, there's a little bit like that, yeah. And you have to prove you're good, and you have to do it quite fast. Where in Germany, they come with the the idea that you must be good, or why would you be there? What's the dinner experience like in Germany? What kind of... It's a long show, like, like many hours, that you're part of the entire performance, or you just do your bit? This one is a dinner show, so there's courses and various different acts, and uh, a little bit of a storyline. And I'm doing, in this one... Uh, some of the time two numbers and some of the time one. Do you play a character as well that kind of is interwoven throughout the whole show? Not this time. I'm doing just just my normal show character in this one. And do you prefer that or do you prefer also being part of the whole production? Both are good, actually. Probably I prefer being a little bit part of the whole production. Do you feel it helps you establish your character so that when you are performing, they go, oh, this guy, and they kind of give you some added uh, sort of empathy or leeway to, to be a, a funny guy? Sometimes it depends how well the bit's written. If uh, the bit you're, the link you're doing is, is not particularly funny, it can be <laughs> set you back a little bit and you have to dig back from there. I see. And how long are the engagements? Is it like a three-month type of, type of engagement? Yeah, this one's a three-monther. And is that sort of a typical type of show that you do now or do you do mostly one-nighters with an occasional long engagement like this? It's a really big mix, actually. I do a lot of cruise ships in the summer, uh, galas, functions, theatre, the whole, pretty much right across the board. And you identify yourself pretty much as a straightforward comedy juggler? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah me too. Proud proud and proud. Tell it like it is, yeah. Yeah, me as well. And we've had some talks about 
sort of the art form of comedy juggling and the we both been at it for quite a long time. What year did yeah. you start and how did you get started actually as a juggler? Oh, I started at the end of 1982. Is that when you learned to juggle or is that when you started yeah. your career? That's when you learned. I, I taught myself to juggle. Um, I had a really boring, I went through lots of jobs when I left school and didn't like any of them. And one of them I got so bored, I taught myself to juggle and then I uh, couldn't work out how to do four balls. I was just kind of doing, switching one ball to, <laughs> so they right. all got to go around. Then I started, one of my fallback jobs was as a lifeguard. And I went to work on a holiday camp and they needed some help in the kids theatre. And I'd done loads of jobs, didn't fit anywhere, um, got on stage and just loved it. And when I got back to London, the all I could really find, the clown workshop was full. The mine one was too expensive, I couldn't afford it. And uh, I found a juggling workshop. I could already juggle and I went there on a, a Saturday and that was it, hooked. And what was sort of the scene then? I mean, did you see a lot of professional jugglers working and who were the people you looked at as like, oh... That's what a professional juggler does. Oh, God, there was, there was no scene, really. Um, to put it in perspective, if you wanted clubs, you made your own. I'm sure you had the same experience. We had a company called Juggle Bug, which is sort of the entry level. So what was the scene like when you started in 1982? Mainly it was a street scene. I'd never really seen jugglers until I got to the workshop. And there were only about sort of 10 there, and that was it. And then there were a few guys such as, I don't know, Tim Bat, John Ballinger, the great great Mendezes, who uh, I just worshipped. I thought they were all brilliant. So from the very beginning, though, you were interested in sort of the performing aspect of it versus the more technical aspects of it? Yeah, I, I had no other thought in my head than I wanted to perform and make a living doing it. And we were also interested in comedy at this time, or is that something you developed after you decided you wanted to perform? No, there was no, there was no real, I want a comedy juggle, or I, I just wanted to be a performer and everyone I saw was because they were street acts I guess they were all doing some form of comedy and juggling so it never occurred to me to do anything else really yeah when I started like the comedy jugglers I saw were guys like Rob Murray did, mm. you, did you ever hear the name Rob Murray I love that man so that style was very much like good show drummer you'll notice <laughs> I never even move my feet yeah, it's kind of like you would juggle and kind of have like little asides. Yeah, he always had this very tired, laconic. Oh, here we go. I don't know why I'm here. Any second, they'll all be on the floor. Yeah, yeah, that's type it. Of stuff. So for us, the first real comic juggler archetype that we saw was Michael Davis. Yeah, love him. Yeah, he was. I still say he's sort of the the best example of the comedy juggling art form. And recently on Facebook, we talked about this. Here, You had a post about how jugglers nowadays can see so much on YouTube. Mm. And then when we were starting out, you didn't see a lot. You sort of had to kind of make it up as you go. And do you think that's a disadvantage of these young jugglers now that there is so much out there? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it can be very off-putting, but you've got to remember that everything people post is their best tricks. No one goes, oh, look at this. <laughs> it's a bit crap, but hey. Have a look at it. So um, you have to bear in mind what they're posting is the best of their best and probably not on the first take. Well, that's how I look at it. I look at it like there's a time when uh, Volva Galchenko was putting out lots of videos and, yeah. of course, a great juggler. But people were saying, oh, my God, he's the greatest juggler ever. He's even, <laughs> he's even better than Gatto. And I'm yeah. like, no, it's, you can't compare. You can't compare Gatto from the, the, you know, where he won the gold clown in Monaco. Yeah. To some guy in his backyard doing tricks where he can do 50, 60 tries and put together the best runs. Yeah, it's just not the same. It's not even close, I'm afraid. He is an amazing juggler, though, I have to say. Oh, my God, he's great. And he's gone on to be a very successful uh, mm. computer programmer. Is he really? Yeah, he's not a, he juggles still as a, a hobby. Yeah. But he really wasn't set up to become a professional. No, I mean, I, I compared his act at a juggling convention once, and he wanted to be introduced as the guy who um, defeated gravity. I remember thinking at the time, you better be good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, he didn't drop a damn thing. However, I found the act quite boring. Well, it's funny because I would see him like in the gym running seven clubs for 30 seconds, a minute, mm. just these huge runs. 
But on stage, I saw him five or six times have trouble getting a flash. Good grief. Which is, so just shows you the difference between being in a performance situation. Yeah, once the nerves set in. I wrote a comment on your, on your post that when we came up, we saw videos. Like someone, one guy would have one video. Yeah. And it was a compilation of only professionals. It was Dick Franco and Albert Lucas and yeah. Francis Brunn. And it was videos of their act. Mm-hmm. So you really saw what people did in a professional setting. The only highlights video we ever saw was Barrett Felker uh, doing five club back crosses in a park. Wow. And I remember talking to Barrett and saying, oh, my God, you had that so great. He goes, oh, that was like my 30th try. <laughs> That's very honest of him. Most people wouldn't tell you that. Oh, no, because it just was like, oh, my God, you have that so wired. How come you don't have that in your show? Or how come you're not doing that just effortlessly like you're doing on the video? Yeah. That was, that was like my best try of the day. I don't do that in the show. I think there is sort of a, a unrealistic expectation now of watching videos as mm. that's what people do like in their act. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. In fact, I saw a juggler recently. He, he sets a lot of records. Mm. He's a guy who on the Facebook, he's doing incredible, you know, six rings in one hand or... Mm. But then I tried to watch his act, his actual act, and I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I remember seeing a, a very famous German juggler whose name escapes me right now do a, do a number, do, do his act, and it bored me to death. The tricks were great, but there was no soul, there was no character, there was no personality. I didn't see him at all, I think is my point. I didn't see him, I saw no excitement about what he was doing, he was just somebody doing it. Well, sometimes you can look at someone's face, like uh, I, I do some coaching, and people mm. talk about Gatto, like, oh, Gatto, he lacks artistry, or whatever it is. But if you watch him juggle, and you look at his face, the entire time he's telling a story with his expressions. Mm. He's, he's engaged throughout the entire routine, sort of saying, watch this, and oh, this one coming up. And it might not be your cup of tea, but he's always making a connection with the audience. Yeah, if you haven't connected, you've, you've lost everything, in my opinion. Well, I mean, especially juggling to music, people don't realize... I see jugglers and their faces are blank the entire time. Mm. And there, there's no emotion invested in it. It's like, watch me juggle. And unfortunately, the watch me juggle has never been very popular, except for people who really love juggling. <laughs> yeah, and how many people are they? So you started pretty early. You, you got this idea of wanting to perform as, a, as soon as you got into it. Yeah. So where did you cut your teeth, so to speak? Where did you get your early experiences as a performer? Uh, Covent Garden. Oh, at Covent Garden. So you went uh, right to the street. Performing. Yeah. I went out and I died the terrible death. Right. I believe I, I first went out with three rings, a hat, a pair of big glasses and some balls, I think. And I gave it a go. I died horribly and I went out again and I died horribly again and I carried on doing that. Went back to my job, came back out. And I think second or third time of asking, I, I stayed out then. And that was it, performer. It's tough nowadays, don't you think? It's like... Where do people go and get those first 300 shows? I mean, can you still show up at Covent Garden and, and get in there as a, as a rank beginner? I think you can, but it's not easy. You, you have to audition now, I think, but it's been a long, long time since I've been down there, obviously. But uh, I think you can, but again, you have to come and kind of come in with something. In the old days, you could kind of just rock up with an idea, and as long as you weren't upsetting anyone or insulting people, you'd be, you'd be in. I find it's like like the cruise ships nowadays. There was a time where you could kind of get good on the ships. Like you could get mm. on a ship, like like one of your first engagements. Like, oh, that was pretty rough. But then, you know, they, after six, seven weeks, eight or nine contracts, you really develop this great cruise ship act. But now it seems like people need to get in and be good on their very first time because they have so many jugglers already there. You can't develop there. You have to come in fully developed. Oh, yeah. If anyone's out there and they're considering cruise ships, don't go in until you're ready. Make sure you've got that 45 really strong minutes because they won't have you back. If you go in and it doesn't work, the stain's already there. It's really hard to get around that and come back and say, hey, but I'm good now. Well, and plus the thing is, is now they have plenty of jugglers. I mean, before they didn't have that many to choose from. So when you're going in now, they're like, in fact, there are some agents who are like, oh, he's a comedy juggler. Well, we don't really need any more jugglers. Good or bad, we just don't need any more. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there now, and, and it, the competition is, is tough. 
Well, I think it's what happened is if you look at like our careers, like yours and mine, going back to the early 80s, we're mm-hmm. still here. Yeah. Well, don't like you get on a ship. It's not like, oh, OK, well, people are always leaving every year and we want new people to join in to sort of join the ranks. Mm. People get there and they stay. Yeah. And people like us have to hold our place. Well, yeah. And it's like new people are coming in. But the good thing, like we talked about, like on this YouTube post is these new guys coming up. They're good at making videos and they're good at the juggling part of it. Mm. It's the show part of it. That's really difficult to learn nowadays. Like how do you actually entertain people, make them laugh, hold their interest? You can learn all the juggling you want. Now you can watch juggling till you're blue in the face. But where do you go to learn the actual skills of being a performer? I think the answer really has to be the street nowadays or the clubs. But even for the clubs, you still got to have a certain standard. In, in the old musical days, you know, you'd be on the bottom of the bill, uh, down at the bottom with the wines and spirits, and you'd work your way up. And slowly you'd get better and the pay would get better and you'd, on you'd go. But there is nowhere really apart that I can think of apart from the street that uh, you can actually just start from scratch and learn your trade. And do you see many young, talented performers coming up? Because here in the States, like I just worked this club, uh, Comedy and Magic Club. Mm-hmm. And they like variety. I mean, magic's in their name, comedy and magic. So they try to have a variety act on every bill. And the guy goes to me, he goes, we need more funny jugglers. Who can you recommend? Mm. I could think of a couple. <laughs> I could think of like Ivan Pissell, who's you know yeah. top of the food chain now uh, here in the States. And this guy, Marcus Monroe, uh, East Coast. Mm-hmm. Another guy, very popular very clean, you know, uh, funny, witty juggler, and who they both already use. And then after that, I'm like, um, 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 yeah, kind of a loss. So do you see a, a new crop of, of English performers coming up? There's a few, yeah. Um, the trouble is I don't get to see their shows very much, really, because if you're always working, you never, they never really ever see two jugglers together. Well, that's why I like doing these street festivals. I do some street festivals yes. every year, and you still see some really... And it's inspiring to see good acts. I mean, that's really helps to see uh, other performers and kind of be in that that sort of circle with them. Mm-hmm. But most of your engagements are like one-offs, like corporate events where, like you say, you're working in a vacuum and it's hard to get that camaraderie and see a lot of other performers. Yeah, and it's there's also um, the difference between being amusing and being fall-over funny, I think. There's a lot of jugglers that have, say, amusing things. Yeah, I have some acts that are quirky. They're like... You know, like quirky, like they do yeah. strange things and like, well, mm-hmm. that's weird or that's strange. But is it really laugh out loud funny? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. There aren't that many jugglers. I mean, Dan Bennett, I really like, actually, one of, one of yours. Yeah. From across the pond. Yeah, and he disappeared into the cruise ships and I haven't seen Dan in 20 years. <laughs> and then, you know, next year you'll do five gigs with him, probably. Nope, nope. He's a guy who's... Vanished on the ships. You never see him, never hear about him. But I hear he's still working, so I imagine he's out there doing his thing. Uh, but I haven't seen Dan in 20 years. Now, ah, now, Dan was funny because it's funny how we all bring our backgrounds to what we do. Because he was a mathematician mm. and sort of came from a very uh, academic background. So his comedy styling became very much like him being sort of a, a an educator and sort of making mm. a very elaborate descriptive pattern about what he was doing. Now, your style is very, what I'd call sort of very frenetic and high energy. Was that always your style from the beginning, this kind of like hit him hard type of style? Uh, no, not really. The The whole thing came from the character that I found. And the, the character came from a, a hat we were using to collect money in, bizarrely enough. Hmm, okay. Um, I, I put the hat on, turned up the front, and for some reason started behaving differently. What, in a more of an aggressive fashion, a more of a... Just a different character. It's weird. It's just this whole character came out. I think at the beginning it it was more aggressive, but it it was just a daft, stupid character. And because I'd had the hat, I had something to sort of work with. And from that came the performance character that I've been doing for so long now. I think that's something, too, that a lot of new performers are lacking is the fact that, like, I went to drama school. I started as an actor. Mm. So when I approached the juggling it was sort of, I was, I became a character who, this was my juggling persona. This was my act. This was my, the person mm. I would put on when I, when I got on stage, he became like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, kind of this sort of grandiose, yeah. different voice and stuff like that. And I see guys nowadays where it's like, they're just themselves yelling. 
<laughs> That's a great description. You know, and like for you, if I, when I see a guy like yourself, it's like, no, you're performing. You're acting. You're a performer on stage. Yeah, I have nothing like that in reality, thank God. But did you have some acting background or how did you develop just all those shows? Is that how you developed those chops? Yeah, absolutely nothing. I, it just came out during shows. And it, it's like, do the show and you keep the bits that work, don't you? And it's layers. It's layer upon layer upon layer of ideas and trying stuff that works and doesn't work and keeping the good bits. Well, that's something I try to teach like the people I work with is the fact that when you do a show, you want to walk away with more than the money. If you're just walking away with the money, then your show never develops. It's not like you're getting something else besides just the financial reward. Like every show you do, like you should be like, oh, I tighten up that one spot or I got a new laugh here or I tried that new joke. But I see so many people, I see so many people just doing the same show. Like they say, okay, I did a thousand shows. No, you did one show a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. I think the best lines do come when you're working, though. You can sit down and write all you like, but you'll say something in a show and you'll get a howl with it. And that, those are the ones that I think I find the best, the ones that you keep. And how do you keep track of those? Do you write them down? Do you videotape? I write them. Because sometimes I forget. Have you ever done that where you do a show? You're like, yes, and what did it's I really say? annoying. <laughs> I got to kill it's laugh. All the other comics. Yeah, do you remember what I said in that, that bit with the, with the pic? Do you remember? No. Okay, fine. Yeah, for a while there, I was taping every show, and at every show, I'd get like two or three new laughs. Mm. But my work ethic was not strong enough to keep up that habit, unfortunately. But I think that's a really good thing to do. Tape your shows, learn from every show, and try to get better every show. Yeah, and, and if you come out with something that gets a laugh, think, go back and think why and write it down and uh, try it again next time. Some things just don't work again, but others will just work and work and work. I thought I had to have the complete ownership of my act, meaning mm. I wanted to be 100% my own creation. Like if someone else gave me a line, I'd be like, no, don't tell me, don't say anything. Because if mm. it doesn't come from me, I would feel like less of ownership of it. Yeah. And, I, and then of course, over the time, I thought, well, that was a very ego-driven philosophy. Yeah, a gag's a gag. A gag's a gag. And I don't care if the audience says it, the janitor says it, some guy, some performer you don't like says it. There have been times mm. where performers come up to me and had an idea. And I thought, mm. I don't really like this performers, what they do. <laughs> but sometimes you never know. You're like, okay, I'll just be open to it. It doesn't mean you have yeah. to do it. No, if it fits, it fits. I think my, my only thing with people that are, you know, if you're going to get someone write gags for you or something like that, is it's pointless unless they've looked at what you do, how you do it, and written in your style. Because quite a lot of times, I tried a couple of times to get someone to write, this is years and years ago, to actually write some jokes for me. And what I got was a page of quite standard jokes that didn't fit me for a second. Yeah, I work with uh, this juggler, Niels Dunker, uh, the Dutch oh, juggler. Niels, yeah. yeah, he's a very hardworking guy. Mm. And he said, hey, should I have some other people write for me? And I'm like, sure, the more the merrier. And he got people in the, and they were just puns and just stuff you couldn't use. Mm. And because they didn't really understand the style of comedy juggling. Now, I find that the variety comedy format is very different than even a stand-up format. Do you find that, that we're sort of doing our own unique art form, comedy variety? It, it's weird because I've seen a few jugglers where you're not sure, are you a juggler or are you a stand-up? And I found what works for best for me is mixed amongst everything are all the gags and the business and the tricks, the visual stuff and, and the stand-up, where... If you're not careful, you end up doing some stand-up, five minutes, and then a little bit of juggling, and maybe a 10-minute stand-up and some more juggling. So what am I watching now, a comedian, a juggler? What, what is it? Well, that's sort of like a, we have David Diebel, who's mm -hmm. developed into a pretty good stand-up comedian. And that's what you say. That's his style. It's like he, he comes out and does 15, 20 minutes of stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, as you can say, what is your role? Like if you got on a cruise ship and they've booked you as the comedy juggler, and they booked a comedian as the stand-up. Yeah. No one's going to be happy. The comedian's going to be upset because there's two comedians. And they're going to be upset with you because you're not juggling enough. Well, like, what I do is I'm a comedy juggler. Yeah. And that's, that's my art form. That's what I do. People say, you're so, you're so funny. Why don't you just do stand-up? I go, well, because that's not what I'd be good at. I'm good at the, the structure and the format of comedy juggling. That's sort mm -hmm. of my, my area of expertise.
Now, do you do other things as well? Do you do acting and stand-up, or you pretty much primarily just do the comedy juggling? It's just the skills comedy. I mean, I did try stand-up once, and it was a weird experience. I wrote a bunch of stuff, and I didn't really think it through as I, as I should have done, because... I've been performing as that character for so long. When I, I started going to the microphone, I wasn't sure who I was. and Or, you know, I was kind of half the character and half me just talking. And it kind of worked, but it kind of didn't. And the other thing I thought was, at the moment, I'm working at a very high level, doing what I love doing. I'm getting paid a lot to do it. Why would I want to start again at the beginning? Well, I think there's useful tools to learn as far as watching stand-up, as far as getting up there and doing a few stand-up sets to experience it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people, it's sort of like, well, I'm a good juggler, but not a great juggler. I- I'm funny, but I'm not like as funny as a, a stand-up comedian, perhaps. Mm. You, you, but you combine the two together, clever juggling with good patter. I think it's a great combo, yeah. It's a good combo. And oh, yeah. Unfortunately, the image of juggling here in the States is pretty low. Is it really? Do you think, well, it's like, I think, you know, we see it on commercials, we see it sort of as a walk-around kind of thing. I think most people's impression of juggling is you know, a guy doing three clubs in a cascade who you're going to walk mm. by and ignore, who's you know, at a shopping mall or something. You're just going to look at it and go, oh, there's a juggler. Let's basically not watch him because it's just boring. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of us in our publicity don't actually say comedy juggler. I, I say skills comedy is, is my thing because well, – Already, if you put juggler, you've already lost a few people who won't give you the chance to win them over. Yeah, it's kind of sad, but it's it's something we just deal with. You can't go, that's just the way it is, right? You can't change mm. it. But no, what, what you have to do, yeah. You have to get out there and, and prove, show them something different and, and try and change that perception. Like when we were starting out, we, we had a, a juggler, Dick Franco. And he, oh, said, yeah, yeah. he said, establish yourself as jugglers first. And then, then do the comedy. Mm-hmm. And that didn't work for us. It was like, no, establish yourself as a comedian first who juggles. Are you a juggler who does comedy or are you a comedian who juggles? Comedian who juggles. Yeah, me too. It's like, it's more about getting the laughs, right? Than, than really. Yeah. There's nothing finer than looking out and seeing a whole audience of people rocking forward because you've made them laugh. That's just the best thing ever. But also you have some very solid skills. So I don't see you as a guy who drops a lot. I think dropping is, <laughs> is maybe I haven't seen all your shows, but you seem to have a very good command of what you do. Yeah, I try to. And I do really like juggling. I, I love juggling. I love watching jugglers. And I'm really into the, the tricks and the skill. But I'm certainly not on, on the level of your Galchenkos or your Gattos or, you know, anywhere near it. I only juggle three objects. I don't... Um, do anything more than that no actually i do five but only five balls and only rarely perform it well certainly the stunt with the balance the the two wine mm. bottles and the the club juggling behind the back with the balance and mm-hmm. you know that's not easy stuff and even your torch juggling you it's not like you're just doing the basic you know no. you, throw, you throw some skills in there yeah i do like to i enjoy it and I, and I do think it helps with the show if you've got the skills and you can show them as well that's all all well and good well for me it's like the technique of juggling is what I use to express myself creatively. Mm. So the stronger your, your skills are, the more avenues you have to use them in a creative fashion. I very rarely let the skill itself be the star of what I'm doing. I try to use the idea behind the trick to be the, the, the starring feature, like the clever yeah, way I'm, I used it. I'll normally find a routine and, and then I'll try and build or, yeah, I find a trick I like, and then I'll try and build a whole comedy piece around it, involving it, but still showing it off to the, the best effect. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm working on this routine where I juggle inflatable elephants. And uh, at first, I juggle. It. Lovely. I, infl- I juggle inflatable sheep. I juggle inflatable Dalmatians. And it's sort of like once the trick became solid, like, this is the trick part of it. It's like, oh, where, where are the jokes? You know, where are the, where are the gags? And it just sort of. But I need to have that structure of. This is what the trick is going to be. This is sort of what I can associate comedically to sort of develop my humor. And so that's sort of the process I use. There's the trick first, then the humor develops. Is that sort of your style as well? Yeah, I'll get a trick and I'll have a rough idea of what I want to do with it. But then that's kind of what I'll go with. And then I'll start to perform it and then the the rest will come. (laughs) Feel the dreams a little bit, really. But yeah, that's how I work. 
So now when you started out, you're on the streets, you're getting your experience. Now, was your first big break this tour, uh, the UK version of Sugar Babies? Was that like sort of your your big breakthrough? Yeah, that was, um, I was, I'd started doing the comedy clubs, um, but I was still street performing. I went for uh, three auditions for Sugar Babies, I think, and got the part. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was really, really happy about it. And um, I took over from Michael Davis after his first two weeks there. And were you able to see Michael Davis and, and watch him work? Sadly not. I did meet him and I did say hello. Uh, I'd seen him at uh, Donmar Warehouse, I think, also before then, doing his solo show. So, yeah, that was uh, he's a big hero to me. So, Well, me as well, that. because we say before Michael Davis, if you look before him, the, the style of comedy juggling was very, very uh, rudimentary. And in fact, there was very little history of comedy juggling. One time we went in for an audition at, for the Ice Capades. Mm. And they said, oh, when we heard you were comedy jugglers, we thought that meant you juggled funny things. <laughs> so that we didn't realize you would be talking. We thought, funny things? What do they, what do they think we're juggling? You know? but, uh, but he was really the first one that had this structure of the trick and the dialogue sort of being equally important. Yeah. And how long was your engagement with uh, Sugar Babies? I did a couple of months with them, I think. And then uh, the show tanked. And it was out with uh, Mickey Rooney and... Uh, yeah. Mickey Rooney was and Miller. Miller, right? Yeah. And what did you learn from working with Mickey Rooney? Were there any sort of lessons he imparted? Did you find him to be... I've never... I met him once at a, an engagement. I didn't have much time with him. Did you find him to be friendly and helpful or, or something uh, else? Yeah. Apologies to any Mickey Rooney fans out there. He wasn't the nicest of guys. Yeah, I heard he was very, very competitive. Like, if you got too many laughs, he'd be very jealous. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole Sugar Babies uh, experience for me was um, baptism of fire, really. But it, it, was, it was a very, very good experience, you know. What do you mean, baptism of fire? Because it was, it was very difficult, or? Oh, God, there was all kinds of stuff going on there. Um, when I came into the show, obviously, Michael had been doing it, I think, for two years in... Um, America. Right. And I think really they just wanted someone to do Michael's act to the point where I said to them, look, I can do that if you want, but I'd kind of rather do mine because isn't that why you were looking at me in the first place? So I ended up like, thankfully doing my stuff. And um, I think I had nine minutes and there was all kinds of uh, stuff going on. The comedy director didn't come over for until the last three days of the rehearsals. All the comedy directing was given to the choreographer for some reason, which was entirely strange. And then um, just before I walked on stage on the first night that I was performing, the uh, producer was in the wings and said, oh, Michael gets 36 laughs. I'll be counting. Ah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Well, 36 laughs in nine minutes doesn't sound that much. Well, I think, yeah, I think also Michael was doing a bit longer because once you were in a show, Right, you right. can kind of push the envelope a little bit because people can see that it's going great. Yeah, one time I was on a cruise ship and the guy said, uh, this is where you hang on to the curtain when you do your high unit cycle. <laughs> and when the bowling ball drops, you should be from over here. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm like, I don't do those routines. They go, but aren't you a comedy juggler? I'm like, yes, but... <laughs> okay, this is where the guy should lie down when you juggle over him. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't do that one. Yeah, a lot of times people want, they want sort of a very... Like, even in cruise ships, they want the very standard comedy juggler. This is the position. That's your generic act, isn't it? Yeah, don't stray too far from that mold, because this is what we're expecting. I've, I've never found that, thankfully. But um, I, I'm sure that that's got something to do with how come I get so much work on the ships, that I'm not doing that. I don't know. I've had both experiences. I've had experiences where the cruise directors come up to me and said, oh, my God, I've never seen any of that stuff. It's so great to see something new. Mm. And other ones have been like, well, no, he didn't. He wasn't as, as flashy as the guy, you know, doing this or whatever. Hanging onto the curtain and dropping the ball. Yeah. Well, it's hard to beat that uh, unicycle act for laughs. But I'm a guy who's not really looking to to copy or to sort of just do things because they're successful. You've also seen have sort of created your own unique routines. Did you ever attempt to sort of just sort of take a more generic approach? I, I certainly did at the beginning, but. Um... 
the idea was always to try and find your own thing, your own voice. And, and because at the beginning, obviously, you don't know anything from anything. So you kind of go for the standardy stuff. I, I had the five-foot bike. I had the small unicycle. And as soon as I had something different, that, that was off they went. Well, that's sort of the evolution that a lot of guys have gone through. Where they sort of start standard. You kind of kind of start with sort of a typical juggling act. Mm. And the good ones, they realize, yeah, it has to be something unique. Like, where's my unique take on this? Where's me yeah, in all of this? You're either the best at what everyone does or you're different. And I think either way you'll always work. But if, if someone calls for my act or your act and says, right, I, I want this and you're not available, that's it. You're not available. But if I call for the generic act and they're not there, the best one that does that, the one that's the funniest, isn't available. You just call the next one down the line and the next one down the line and the next one down the line. And you'll get that act, and there won't be that much difference between them. Yeah, we had an act uh, years ago. They're still working, but that was their idea. It's like, I'm just going to take the best from every act <laughs> with no concern for, you know, that's their yeah. material, and put a show together. And mm -hmm. uh, became very successful, became a very in-demand cruise ship performer, uh, brought a lot of other performers out with him to, to perform. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, you know, the hatred that uh, was generated towards him. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's you can do that. You can just go like, I'm going to do the best of what's out there. But don't you think that your soul would kind of shrivel up a little bit? Well, you certainly wouldn't get the respect you'd want, I don't think. I know I that you'd end up on the Royal Variety Show because that's where this Sugar Babies thing's led to you. So you actually got a... That's a show I've never done. I've always been very interested because I'm fascinated with royalty, you know, being an American... We love royalty. I think I do. Mm -hmm. And so was that where you were discovered to be on the, the Royal Variety performance? No, that, that's, that's when you've kind of, I, I guess, when you've kind of made it. I when see. you're asked to do that one. So, so how long was that after Sugar Babies? Ooh, probably about three, four years, maybe. Oh, okay. I thought I read somewhere that that kind of led to this, the, the Royal Variety performance. I mean, I, I guess it did. But um, there was, there was a, a while between... You need to sort of become known to all the TV producers and the yeah all, all the guys that are kind of running the business, as it were. And once they know you, and then your name starts to crop up in the conversations, they've seen you on TV or they work with you. You're fine. They like you. It, it's kind of like it all builds towards that, but it takes a little while to do that. So, what were the first uh, TV appearances that you did? What kind of shows were those? Uh, my very first two were um, a kids show called, oh, I can't remember at the moment, it might come back, uh, Lift Off with Coppers and Co, um, where I did a, a single plate routine, and uh, the Friday Night Live, or Saturday Night Live, excuse me, which was the uh, English copy of the American program. And was it helpful? Did you find that the exposure led to more work? Because certainly when we did TV in the 80s, it was a really big break for us, and we got a lot of uh, opportunities because of our TV work. Is it the same in the UK? Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a huge help. And what kind of suggestions or advice would you give for people who want to get on TV? Is there sort of a certain approach you think people should take nowadays to try to get on shows? Or are there not just as many shows to be on anymore? I think there just aren't that many shows to be on. And I'm not even sure now that TV's the way to go. It definitely was when we were doing it. But um, I'm not sure they got the viewers. You can have your own series and still not be seen. What about the talent shows? I guess they have uh, – one time I was there, over there, I think, in Scotland, and I was watching the British – Britain's Got Talent. Britain's Got Talent with, what, Ant and Deck? Are those the guys, the yeah, the hosts? <laughs> I think so. I, 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 I try to avoid it as much as possible. Well, not me. I watch those shows. I really try yeah. to study those shows because I work with young performers, and they, they want to know if they should be on that show. And I'm like, well, if you're good, yeah. If you suck and are kind of an embarrassment, you mm. could really be – but if you're really good, I think you can kind of make it work. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, There's still a bit of a crapshoot, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's also, you, you only look how they want you to look. Yeah, with the editing and stuff and, and the way they and approach how it. Do you, if, say you're a comedy performer, how do you possibly get across in two minutes how you perform and your style and enough funnies to win the audience round? It's... You know, when I started doing TV and when, when you started, you had six, maybe even eight minutes. Yeah. 
to do your thing. And now you've got two if you're lucky. Don't see how that works, really. Do you think it's more of than the, the YouTube, the social media? Is that the approach you would take nowadays? I think, yeah, if, if I was starting up, yeah. Yeah, me I as think well. they, they almost get more views. Yeah, I think also you need a sort of a, a tie-in. Like we have a juggler, uh, Josh Horton, who's mm. another young up-and-coming juggler here in the States. And he's sort of tied into the sports juggling. And he makes a lot right, of yeah. trick shot videos where he's doing like mm. basketball trick shots combined with juggling. Mm. So he gets on lots of sports shows and has sort of a sports angle. <laughs> yeah. I think you need an angle. You need some kind of gimmick. Because I think straight juggling has never been popular, and I don't know if it'll ever be popular. I don't think it ever will, no. Uh, it's very much a niche thing. I think it already would have, since the exposure got in the 80s, like when I was coming up, there was something called triathlon, the mm. Ironman triathlon. I remember reading one of the first articles about Hawaii's Ironman triathlon. This was in the early days of the IGA competitions, you know, their IGA stage competitions. And I was involved as championships director and judge and pretty involved with the mm. IGA at that point. And I thought, well, how can we make our competitions popular? Mm. I thought, well, at least we're not the Ironman triathlon because who wants to do that? You know, it's so hard to take part and, you know, it's expensive and it's just who wants to watch that? You know, it takes all day. Mm. Well, that will never be successful. I mean, juggling will be successful way before that. <laughs> and so why didn't juggling? So, of course, now, you know, triathloning is a, a billion dollar industry and yeah. you have people doing it uh, on TV and there's, of course, great coverage and championships. Why not juggling? Why didn't even juggling competitions take come off the ground? Do you think there's something? Yeah, I mean, Jason Garfield tried, didn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, he tried, but I wonder if that was the wrong person, you know, the sort of the wrong approach. Because initially, this idea of let's take everything out that people like, like the smiling, <laughs> the moving, you know, <laughs> you know, just I thought that was not the approach. Like let's just stand there yeah. and juggle, you know. Yeah. It became a numbers thing, I think, although I didn't see too much of it. Well, it became purely focused on the technique. Yeah. Which I can appreciate because that's sort of the, that sports style of juggling is all about the technique. And you had Albert Lucas, who was more into sort of the sports juggling, you know, like the joggling and things like that. Mm. And what do you think about combat juggling? Are you, are you a fan of that? Not really, I'd have to say. Um, I think I watched one recently, but th that would be... First time ever, pretty much. And it was a little bit interesting, and they did some very clever catching while they were trying to take each other out, but does nothing for me, I'm afraid. I mean, I, I don't play it myself, because the first time I played, someone whacked me in the wrist pretty hard <laughs> with a club. Uh -huh. And I thought, I don't think this is really a great activity for professional jugglers, because... Yeah. But it doesn't seem like there's been that many injuries, but I just maybe am a pussy and scared of being hurt, so... <laughs> but I always thought it was kind of like the demolition derby of juggling. Yeah, I think it it looks quite fun, but it, it doesn't really do much for me. I'm I like this sure. new uh, fight night format where they have like one-on-one like... one competitions. I did the Israeli juggling convention. Yeah. And they had some very good jugglers, Emil Dahl and some other really good, like Wes Peden, high-level fight night mm. players. And then for the first time ever, I thought, oh, this is pretty exciting. And I, I got into it. But uh, I don't know if that's the image I want most people think about juggling it's sort of a it's fun if it, as long as it's being knocked out of their hands that's then it makes this it's more fun yeah I, th I think it's a really good thing for conventions but should probably stay there now i know you've done some work directing other acts mm -hmm. like when you look at an act how do you break it down what do you what do you look at and, and to make improvements what do you see with your director's eye what's important to you well first i think you just have a look at you get a video and you sit down and you have a look and see what works for you and what doesn't and and then you look at the whys and the wherefores now do you have a certain technique or is each person you sort of approach differently no i just i just sit and and, and watch and basically sit down with a pen and paper and start to take notes is that something you enjoy doing and you want to do more of in the future yeah i really enjoyed it actually i've done it a couple of times now and um, also put on a few of my own productions which was really nice and yeah, it's, it's fun. If they want to contact you for your directing, I found you hard to contact because you don't have a website. <laughs> I found that very unusual. It, I think it is now. Yeah. Um, I think people, everyone suggested it. 
And I've always thought, right, I'll, I'll do it. this time I'll do it, now I'll do it. Um, and I think the the bottom line is I haven't ever needed one. There's there's always work there. Like most people, that never changes and they never update. It just sits there and no one looks at it. You don't want that? <laughs> yeah, I've just um, I've almost had one once, but uh, and I suppose if the work dried up, I would do one and get one. Well, when I looked you up, it seemed like you were listed on plenty of agent sites. So is that the primarily where your work comes through is from these these agents who call you up and they act as the go-between? Yeah, I mean, most of my work, if I'm honest, comes from rebookings. It's where I've gone, they've seen me, they've liked me, and, and it just keeps rolling on. Well, at a certain point in your career, I guess that's what you're looking for. When you've been at it long enough and people know you, mm. they go, uh, get me Steve Rawlings. And then when you get old, they go, get me a Steve Rawlings type. Get me a younger <laughs> Steve Rawlings. One with hair. One with hair. One with yeah. give me that young, vital, youthful Steve Rawlings. That's it. Yeah. Of course, you still have a lot of energy. You still perform at a very high level. Where do you see yourself going in the future? Are there things you haven't done that you still want to do? Um, I'd love to work Vegas. If I'm honest, I would absolutely love to go there and work there, just to tick it off the box. I think you would have liked to work old Vegas. You would like yeah. Vegas in the '80s. I don't know if you want to work modern Vegas. Don't know. I've never been there. Never, ever. No. It's one of those unique places in the world that people should see at least once. Mm. Not that it's good or bad or that you might like it or not like it, but like in the States, there are several unique places that are kind of, there are a lot of, you know, the United States is a very big country, of course. A lot of it just kind of like is nondescript or there's nothing about it that you say, well, you have to see this, you have to see that. Like you have to see the Grand Canyon. We have a Grand Canyon. Mm. Like we have Niagara Falls. So there are a couple of things that are like, you see, you go, oh, I see why that's popular or why that's something people talk about. So when you go to Las Vegas, you go, oh, I get it. This is a very unique city. But it had a lot more charm. It had a lot more going for it to me back in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's quite a lot of shows that I'd want to go see there. And I just want to, yeah, see it for what it is. It would be interesting. Well, I'll keep my eyes open because uh, uh, a lot of times jobs come up. And uh, if there's one in Vegas that I can't do, I'll look for Steve Rawlings. Give us a call. That'd be brilliant. And me, I want to go to China. So if you ever uh, hear about any jobs in China that you don't want to do, because I look at juggling now as sort of a, you know, I've been at it, what, 34 years. How, how long has your career been now? Around about the same, I think. Yeah, I think you and I have only worked together once. We worked together once in Halifax. That's the one, yeah. But we didn't spend too much time there together. I guess we were just both busy doing our own things. The problem with Halifax was it was, it was three shows a day for 10 days. So the chances to actually get some downtime and go off chatting were pretty slim. Yeah, it was a pretty tiring gig. I think it's now down to like a four-day festival. Is it really? Yeah, they made some changes. It's um, not one of the premier festivals anymore. We're talking about Halifax Buskers Festival. Yeah, it was a great festival there. Yeah, and that's a great place for another for people to get experience is, you know, if you're working the streets, these street festivals, which are organized street performances. Yeah, well, at least you get some money. Yeah. And, and you get some money so you don't have to necessarily work so hard and you can just enjoy your shows a bit more. Yeah, sometimes it's a guarantee, but at least you get all your expenses paid. And uh, unless the weather is just terribly crap, you know you're going to walk away with some with some money. Yeah, and, and the other thing, as you were saying, is you meet a whole bunch of other talented people. And it's it's a good place to get excited about it or if, you know, if you're open to it. Well, I think that's what you need. You need to be able to do a lot of shows. Like, how many shows would you say you might have done in your career? Could you even estimate the number of thousands of performances? <laughs> I couldn't even come near it. It's thousands and thousands, yeah. Yeah, at one time when I was starting out early in my career, I kept track of every show and every dollar I made. Yeah. But after two or three years, I lost that notebook. <laughs> and I thought, oh, shit, since I lost a notebook to begin with, it's kind of not going to be complete. And, and, and Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of shows over the years. Yeah, it's a lot. Like I say, but the key thing is, I think, doing a lot of shows and being a student of the game. Mm. I don't think you should ever stop learning. Well, it's like you can always get, like you were talking about on Facebook, where what's new? What's left to create? When there's mm. so much, you see so much. How do you get inspired to create something new or something different? Because there's so much out there now. But isn't the beautiful thing that... Just when you think you've seen absolutely everything, somebody from a dark room somewhere after 10 years will come out and go, look, and you'll go, wow, that's amazing. And you'll be all excited again. 
Well, I'm excited by modern juggling, but at the same time, I'm really puzzled where it's going to go or where people are going to work with it. Like sort of this new club style that's very artistic and very much, you know, driven by the Jay Gilligan's and Wes Peden's uh, Tony Pezzo type of style, where it's kind of people looking and saying, that's what I want to do, not realizing that only the top few people of that style will work. Yeah, I mean, it's great to watch, and I love the fact that they're doing it, but if the circus schools and everything else, if that's all they're turning out, like you said, only the top few will work, and it's a shame if you spent all that time learning this stuff. My thing is, very rarely do I watch a video and go, wow, I wish I thought of that. Mm. And that's sort of the determining factor for me. Like, oh, that's so clever. Not that these tricks aren't clever, especially like I love the body rolls, like with the clubs. Yeah. Where they're I, doing just, I just look at that and my jaw drops. It's oh, it's crazy. It's, it's like one thing if I have to decide to learn something new, it would be this like rolls around the neck and across the shoulders and the shoulder pads and across the stomach. It's crazy good. But I've never seen anybody in a performing situation, a professional, like this is my, my act. Mm. Doing those tricks. Actually, I haven't. No. So it's like we've created two different things, this video age and and the sort of not death of the perf- live performer, but certainly a great dis- diminishment of it. Yeah, I, I saw um, somebody doing a very similar sort of, you know, that style act. And the, the degree of difficulty of the tricks was phenomenal, but he dropped too much. And I just wanted to go over and say, look, cut down on the on the difficulty and have a routine that works. Well, that's the thing is I always say that people don't know a good juggler from a bad juggler, but they know a bad juggler drops. Mm. So you could be doing hard tricks. You could be doing seven balls. You could be doing a seven ball pirouette and drop several times and finally get it. Or you could do a five ball cascade with no tricks and just end perfectly. And I think with the right style and presentation, you're more, you're better off doing the cleaner act with no drops. Yeah, you've also got to look at the time that goes into each trick. Yeah. I mean, for me, getting and and sustaining a five ball cascade took me probably about a year to get it. And then it's probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes a day, most days, if you want to hold it to a certain level. Then you go to seven balls. I want the hard thing to be the, the, the idea. It was hard to think up. Like if you look at like the piano juggling, like like Dan Menendez's uh, keyboard routine, which a lot of people have jacked and now are doing. Yeah, the playing. I, I had a big thing on um, on Facebook where I I defended him. Some jugglers were basically saying, "Well, this is ridiculous. The tricks are rubbish." I said, "No, no, no, no. This guy has taken juggling, Dan Menendez, and he's made it entertaining for people. This is a great routine. I wish I'd thought of it." Exactly. You don't look at it and go like, oh my God, that five ball force bounce is such an amazing trick. But it was the kind of thing that once people saw it and the idea was out there, they could do it pretty quickly. Mm. It was the idea that was hard to come up with. Not, not, this, not the trick itself. Yeah. The idea. But the idea was just goldmine. It's brilliant. Yeah. Proven by the fact so many people have stolen it. <laughs> well, because it works. It works. It's, it's a, it, you realize how things play bigger with music. Like if you can make music through the juggling, like if you go back to even looking at that Chris Bliss video that people were up in arms about, like, why is this so popular? He's not that good. And look how much repetition there is. Mm. It was the power of the juggling to music. It was just a very nicely put together routine. You know, what was clever about that was this idea of like, it's like a song. A song repeats, like the chorus comes back. So he was doing a visual representation of what the music was doing. A lot of guys now, they juggle with music playing behind them, mm. but they're not actually you know, representing what the music is doing. And I think nowadays the music has such little emotional connection with the people. Like I love Jay Gilligan's work, most of it, and a lot of these guys work, but it seems like their musical choices are so challenging to the audience. <laughs> yeah. But I don't really, I know Jay Gilligan and I, I've seen a few of his things, but I've not really seen that much of what he's done. I've seen a lot. And there's, I've always been sort of had a mixed relationship with Jay. because I think he knows that some of the stuff I loved, but some of the stuff I'd be like, wow, that was really not my cup of tea. Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be honest to express both sides of it. But that's a good thing, I think. If you're pushing the boundaries, it's even like Monty Python. What, a lot of what they did was just rubbish. 
but the, the, the nuggets that were in there were just wonderful. Well, I worked with Jay this year at a cl- uh, thing called Moisture Festival, which is maybe something mm. you might want to check out if you want to come to the States. It doesn't mm. pay much, but it's a really nice gig. Uh, Tim First from the Karamazov runs it. Oh, I'd love to have a crack at that, yeah. A week there. And one night, man, he came out, and it was probably one of the most epic routines I'd ever seen. Mm. He was like a gangster. He was just like punk rock. It was <laughs> it was thrilling. It was really, even my partner, uh, Barry, who's not very yeah. excited about juggling, was really excited about it. And I'm like, okay, there's something there. You know, there's yeah. something about this edgy, just get up there, balls out, and just juggle and go crazy that was really exciting. So I really um, appreciated him more after seeing him work over a series of four or five nights mm. and kind of talking to him about his sort of how, what his approach is and why he's done some of the, the choices he's made. And it helped me to really understand him better and get a better sense of what he does. Yeah, I don't think you have to love everything someone does. But if they're really out there, you have to love the fact that they're out there doing it, I think. I think you also have to understand success and why something is successful. So if you're a hater, like, oh, this person is – like, we have the Kardashians, you know, is sort of mm, our yeah, – yeah. <laughs> And they're a loathsome, vile creation that I'm not appreciative of. I mean, I don't ever watch mm. their show. But you have to understand, how do you capture the public's attention? As a performer, what do you need to do to capture the public's attention and sort of get to that level? And what can I learn from these people about how they did it? And maybe we could take the same ideas and approach juggling and say, well, how can we we take that same thought and make juggling, this activity we both love, sort of a more mainstream activity? What can we learn and how can we sort of use that to our benefit? I think the only way you can do it is... is look at your audience and say, how can I make this? All right, say I love doing this thing with seven balls or whatever. And how can I make your average audience like this? You've got to find a way to sell it. I think what we need is we need a personality to come forward. Kind of like they had Bruce Lee or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because if you look at like, like martial arts before Bruce Lee, it was a very fad thing that people didn't really think about. Once you have one guy with so much charisma that comes out, and we really haven't had that with juggling. We've had great jugglers. We never had the combination of like an Arnold Schwarzenegger who had the, the skill <laughs> of what he was doing, but also the, the personality. I think the biggest problem with that is the fact that TV or internet or whatever will eat your material. And with juggling, it takes so long yeah. to get a new piece together that's, that's right and that's strong. It, it'll never happen. What will happen is if they're funny enough, they'll go on to other things. Like W.C. Fields went on to make films. Yeah, like why not get into the movies? Like if we had a character like in the movies though that used his juggling, you know, as the same way Bruce Lee used his martial arts. Or if we had a character <laughs> in a book, like, like a Harry Potter type book, but instead of, um, you know, wizardry, it was juggling. Maybe something like that could capture people's imagination. I think this uh, video projection is a mm. new thing. Have you... Have you uh, Familiar with some of the acts that use video projection? Mm, do you mean like the shadow stuff? or? Well, it's more like there's an act called a torque starter. It's a mm. Diablo routine where they're, where they're juggling in front of a video projection screen. Mm. Like I, th- I think this act, Jungleissimo, also does one with club passing. Mm-hmm. Where uh, there's a lot of stuff going on behind them on the screen. Like, like, the, like the object will create trails as it goes through the air from, nice. the, from this video behind it. So I think technically there's some future applications of holographic technology and video technology that could add to the entertainment value of juggling, but then we mm. would lose some of that personal appeal. Yeah. Also, you get to the point where if is it real or is he really doing that or is that just part of the projection? And then it becomes not so interesting, I think, because you lose the skill. Well, no one has yet used it in a, in a humorous fashion. I think there's still there's still a, a humorous application to be used from it. Because there might be a day where someone's juggling like three Greyhound buses. You know, <laughs> because it's all sort of a, a gimmick between real life and, and holographic imagery. Yeah, and you also have to be careful. I mean, I remember seeing, um, uh, I think they were Chinese Diablo acts, about 10, 12 kids doing some amazing yo, uh, not yo, yo, Diablo stuff. And the background was so busy, it was pointless than being there. Well, we kind of have that in uh, in America's Got Talent. Like they had these dance con- the dancers, and a couple of years ago they had a, a an Asian performer. I don't know his name. Um, 
it was I would I would butcher it if I even tried to say it. And he was sort of doing a, a, an act with a lot of illusions, you know, uh, body movement and things like that. Mm-hmm. But he incorporated this visual projection. Now, every dance act that gets on America's Got Talent, or the majority of them now, have some sort of element of this. Because mm. it made it so much better. It made it so much bigger. Yeah. That it never it never could go back. So I'm wondering if the same thing happens with juggling. Is once people see how much better juggling is with, with all these added effects, if it never goes back to its simpler form. I, know, I think it would be a shame. And also tough for the new guys to come through because you've got to buy all this kit. I have a couple. I have a couple of questions uh, to to wrap up because we're getting toward. Mm-hmm. We try to do these an hour, and we're already over an hour. But um, I had a question about John Glure's comedy club. This is a very just sort of. All right, yeah. This is just a very me personal question. Yeah. Now it has the name Jean Glure's in the title. Yeah. Do they would they be interested in me coming over there and doing a tour as a juggler in these comedy clubs? Yeah, I think you could certainly do it. Um, there were a lot of us in, in the early days doing that. Uh, there was me, Paul Morocco, um, the two Marks, Chris and Alex. There were quite a few jugglers that did it, and a lot of us used to close it, actually. Mm. And it, it was a great venue. I think it's it's not the the great power that it once was, but uh, I think the junglers' clubs are still going and the comedy circuit is still going. But it is much more difficult to get in there as a speciality act. Right, and I don't think they'd want to fly someone over from the States. And, and no, you'd have to up. get yourself there and, and knock on the door or, you know, get someone to talk to someone to get you in there. Right, right. But I think you could certainly work there, yeah. And then also you had listed as one of your favorite performers, George Carl. And I think that's a performer that doesn't get enough attention or, or recognition. People should go back and look up uh, oh, George please. Carl. If you've never seen George Carl, just click on the name and go watch some clips. And do you ever he... have a chance to work with George? Do you ever work with him? No, I've met people that did, but never, never had the honor. I'm afraid. Yeah, you? yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, man. Real character, George real nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing about George Carl was, and I've seen so many people try and copy his acts, it just doesn't work. George Carl pretty much did some of the oldest jokes in the book, and he just did them so damn well. Well, I mean, it helps, I think, first of all, to look like George Carl. Yeah, you have to have the face. You can't be young and do that act. And he was in that movie, uh, Funny Bones. He was indeed, yeah, with uh, Freddie Parrotface Davis and Lee Evans. And the, there was a thing in there, you have to have funny in your bones, right? Yeah, I think originally he was an acrobat, wasn't he? Circus acrobat that got too old and turned to clowning. But there's a guy who has funny in his bones. Yeah, he just looked funny. He was funny. Yeah, and he just had a natural uh, comic energy. Yeah, you, you looked at him and he, he made you laugh. And of course, you know, if we're looking at uh, comedy jugglers nowadays... Like, um, if you looked at the top jugglers in, in comedy, I put you right up there as one of the top comedy jugglers. Uh, it, it's a very small field. I think you'd probably have trouble after maybe naming 10 or 20, mm. you know, really saying, well, these guys are still quality after this point. Yeah. So if you have any advice for sort of parting words for a young juggler, maybe not a technical juggler, let's sort of stick with our expertise, which is comedy juggling, the talking side of it. Who's mm-hmm. just getting into juggling now. He loves juggling. He's sort of into the, the juggling part of it. But what I find is people, they focus on the juggling part of it, but mm. they don't put as much time into the the comedy part or, the, or the, the entertaining part. Yeah, I think my advice would be to find your own voice. Take uh, What I did was take a part of myself and just make it bigger. That was where the character came from. It's still me. It's just not something that I show very often. <laughs> You know, you, you have to, it doesn't matter how good your skill is, no matter how crazy your juggling is, if you haven't touched the crowd on a personal level, it won't mean a thing. So you have to find a way to bring your character, your personality into your show. And if you've done that, I think you'll do all right. Well, that's really good advice. Yeah, it, it's take a part of you that you think fits, that works for you, and then just follow it and see where it leads. Well, that's been good advice. It's been great advice for your career because you're one of the, the top guys in your field. And I imagine you're still going to have many more years of success out there. I do hope so. Well, I, I can guarantee it. You're, you're a top performer. And I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, covering some stuff for us. This is sort of a rambling uh, podcast. We didn't really go in any particular direction, but I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. 
And thanks you so much, uh, Steve Rawlings, for being on the Drop Everything podcast. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed podcast number 23 of the Drop Everything podcast, my conversation with Steve Rawlings. Once again, let's thank the International Drugs Association. I've been involved with the IJ since 1980. And if you're math majors, that's over 100 years. So uh, it's been a very long time, met a lot of great people, and really looking forward to this year's International Drugs Associations Festival in El Paso, Texas. Hope to see you there. Also, if you're interested in being a performer, a comedian, magician, ventriloquist, any kind of variety performer who wants to add more comedy to their show and would like to have an outside eye with many years of experience, please look at braindrizzles.com. That's my personal coaching and mentoring website. Enough thanks, enough sponsors. Go out and drop everything, except when you're juggling.